Martian band. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to hold it up. Let me see it. Amen. If you need a copy, there's one in front of you. I want you to join me this morning in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Last night when we returned home, the, uh, you know you're getting old when? The firecrackers are going off and you're thinking, are they going to do this all night? Well, only to discover this morning that Bucky came in and he said, Brother Greg, did you see the fireworks at Marlon's house last night? And I said, no, what are you talking about? Well, Marlon's really kind of a neighbor of mine. And he said, oh, it was a spectacular show. I found out in my old age I missed a spectacular show right in my backyard. And uh, I, the truth hurts sometimes. The truth hurts. I am grateful today to be able to pastor a church in a land where I can freely proclaim truth. Amen. It's not like that everywhere right now. In Canada, pastors are being imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And let me tell you something. It's considered hate speech. Now, I want you to listen clearly. Hate speech is for me not to tell you that God loves you and has died on the cross for your sin. You don't really love somebody if you don't tell them about Jesus. You say, oh, Brother Greg, I can't. I'm scared. You really don't love somebody if you don't tell them about Jesus. And you can do it. You can do it. You'll say, well, what if I mess up? God has a way of handling mess-ups. And his truth is marching on. Amen? John chapter 8. This morning, I want to preach to you on the theme, the truth about freedom. It's all about freedom this weekend. In 1776, it announced the separation of 13 North American British colonies from Great Britain. It explained why the Congress on July 2nd, unanimously by the votes of 12 colonies with New York abstaining, had resolved that these united colonies and of right ought to be free and independent states. The Declaration of Independence was adopted. I mean, today... And this weekend, flags wave. I mean, here we are in church, red, white, and blue on. We're celebrating the love for our country. We cherish our freedom. And earlier, he even did the pledge. Listen to me. Are we one nation under God? Amen. Indivisible? We're as divided as we've ever been. Yet we seek liberty and justice for all. My question, how have we gotten so far off track? God, I pray that in the next few moments that your Holy Spirit would move in power. Help us rightfully divide the word of truth in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 31. 
The Bible says. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, circle who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, there are a lot of folks wanting freedom and with the spotlight on most of the time what's wrong with America I mean should we not thank God this morning that he allowed us to be born here or to live here our family came here a place of opportunity should we not thank God that we live in a land where thousands by the day want to come and I want to remind us all of something this morning when you look at the thousands crossing the border and flooding into America, not all are drug runners or involved in something that would hurt this country. Many are coming desperately trying to find a better life for their families. I believe Adrian Rogers when he wrote these words. I believe you can love your country and love God. I believe you can be patriotic and love God. But folks, I submit this morning that you will never find lasting freedom through patriotic fervor. You won't do it. It'll be short-lived. And the freedom that Jesus is talking about in this passage is a freedom of breaking the yoke of spiritual bondage and in the Christian life you and I understand this as something called spiritual warfare what do you mean brother Greg well if the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against the supernatural powers that we can't see I believe there are demons just this morning just trying to disrupt whatever God wants to do in your life you say well how does he do that well one way is by by you just looking at people looking at somebody else another way might be from your schedule this afternoon maybe you got something big going on might be something you're facing this week folks listen as a Christian you are in a battle and nobody said it's going to get easier nobody said so Jesus says if you abide in my word you shall be my disciples you're my disciples and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So this morning, what is truth? Where do we get it? It's the Word of God, and Jesus himself says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. It's his truth that is marching on. And he says in this passage, if, if you shall know that truth, the truth shall make you free. Now, 31 times in the New Testament, free is used in the terms of being unique, delivered, 
unrestrained, to go as you want, as you pleasure. You're a citizen, not a slave. And Jesus is addressing the Jews who had believed. Now, in this passage this morning, he said there's an, a simple, there is an essential truth. Look at verse 31. If you abide in my word, you're my disciple. Your translation may say remain. It means to continue. It means to endure. There's no such thing as a, a, a Christian sometimes and not a Christian at other times. You're either in or not this morning. Amen? You either are or you're not. Now, let's say the stage represents a scale of 1 to 10, 1 starting at the flag and 10 over here to your right. And, and maybe some of you are somewhere around 3 or 4 and God's dealing with your heart and, and you're starting to take a look to recognize that, you know what, maybe God does have a plan. This morning I had the privilege to teach youth Sunday school. Praise the Lord for Keisha Johnson. But you know what we did with the kids this morning? We talked about sharing our faith and we recognized that God had a plan. He always has had a plan, and that is to redeem us to himself, and, 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 and his plan was perfect, and sin messed it up. And because of sin, man began to recognize I'm broken, I can't fix myself, and, and maybe you're at two or three on the scale of one to ten, and you're starting to realize there's got to be more to life than what I'm putting into it or getting out of it. There's got to be more to it than me just going to church on Sunday morning. There's got to be more to it. And brokenness began to make you ask, or maybe you're asking some questions. Where am I? How far am I from the cross? I mean, if the cross answers it all, where am I? You see, you're either a believer, a Christian, or not. Now, I'm not saying that to make fun of anybody. I'm not saying that to, to make you feel bad. What I am saying is, if, if there has just been a constant knock at your heart's door about your relationship with God, maybe God is wanting you to take a step of faith and receive truth. Truth. Now, I want to tell you who the biggest liar ever is. Who is it? The father of all lies. I want to tell you who the second is. Fisherman. Because fishermen, and I'm, I'm one of them, you never start big and shrink. You, you just start big and stay there. Folks, listen to me. This morning, I believe in this few verses that Jesus gets our attention because he's preaching to some Jews who have believed. We would consider them, at this point, Christian. They've received truth. Here's a few things I want you to understand this morning. Number one, abiding in Christ is evidence that you're no longer chained to sin. What? Abiding in Christ is evidence that you're no longer chained to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Greg, what are you saying? 
I'm saying that if you're truly saved, you will desire to live more like Jesus than you do look like the world. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying we don't trip. I'm not saying we don't mess up. What I am saying is evidence of Christianity is abiding in Christ. You say, well, I go to church. Praise the Lord. I do these things. I give. I'm a leader. Praise God for that. But folks, we must abide in Christ. We must be in Christ. Now, listen to me carefully. I said it this morning, and I'll say it again. I'm going to say at least two things this morning. It's going to make you mad. Here's the first. For many in America and for many Christians, sometimes our joy and support can easily be hitched to a political party rather than Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I'm saying that politics will never answer what Jesus will. The government will never do what Jesus can do. Why in the world do we think that happiness is going to come every couple years when someone is voted in or voted out? It's not going to happen because the truth is in Christ and the Bible says Christ will set you free. Now, abiding in Christ means that it's genuine, that you've truly been saved. Well, Brother Greg, how do you, how do you describe the passage that says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How, how, how do you rationalize that? It sure does sound to me like people can lose their salvation. That sure sounds to me like there can be false decisions. That it, that it may not be sincere. Abiding in Christ, when you remain in Christ, when it speaks of co continuing, when it speaks of endurance, means that it will last because it was truth that was received. Now, there are different kinds of faith. Here's a couple of them. Temporary faith. Temporary faith would be the kind of faith where right now you're thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon. Maybe you're, you're hosting some folks that are coming over. Yeah, and you've just got some ducks in a row you got to put together. And, and, uh, and then tonight comes and everybody leaves and you go to, you're getting ready for bed and you thank the Lord for getting you through the day. That's temporary. Or intellectual ascent. This weekend, a lot of folks talking about history, looking back at, at the founding fathers. And, and, and it's interesting that many people, when they want to discount what America was built on, will say the natural, the natural intent of the statement, the, the intent of the statement. Well, what we're living in is a society that wants to, to change the definition of everything that is godly if it comes to what this nation was built on. Intellectual assent would be, I believe that George Washington was our first president, but I never saw him. I just read about him in a history book. That kind of faith will not save you in Jesus Christ. He's not like an American president that we just thumb through pages and say, oh, the Bible's just a history book. Oh, is it? It's alive. The Bible says it's, it's, it will cut you coming and going. The Bible says it's God-breathed. Folks, listen to me. If you're a Christian this morning, the author of this book lives inside of your heart this morning. 
don't you tell me it's a history book that I used, I grew up at Northridge Middle School and the high school. Abraham Lincoln. My goodness. We live in a, a nation that's so confused that people wanted to tear down statues of Abraham Lincoln and he was the very leader that, that fought for freedom. And here we are this morning wondering what's wrong with the world. I'm telling you one thing is there's a lot of Christians who never abided in the vine. Saving faith means you don't walk away from Jesus. Saving faith means you don't quit Saving faith doesn't mean it's always going to go our way. I told you there were two things this morning that were going to make you mad. I've already told you one. Here's the second. Number two. A person's spiritual maturity becomes obvious by how we respond when we don't get our way. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I can, I'm saying that we all, and I'm counting myself, can act like babies sometimes. Oh, it's quiet in here. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? You say, well, really, Greg, what do you mean sounding like babies when we don't get our way? Well, how are you such an expert? I know I've been there. I've probably acted that way. But I have four grandsons. Oh, man. Jordy, the littlest one, he may be the strongest willed. Eli's close second. But Jordy, may he put his head down? We were at that game. I said, Jordy, what happened? What's made you so sad? I didn't get to ride the elevator up to the parking garage. <laughs> Folks, look, sometimes in life, it's not going to go our way. You know what we used to do when I grew up, Clint? Hey, we're playing with my ball. I'm going home. Give me the ball. Right? Give me the ball. Uh, some, sometimes we get so discouraged and so distraught. I'm not happy. Nobody's going to be happy. That's not the way it works when it comes to the life of a believer. If you're remaining in the vine, here I got some good news for you. What we have done as Americans is we've become spoiled. Well, how do you know that, Brother Greg? Really, by the way, we handled the pandemic. God has been good to us. You see, there's a difference in being an American citizen and a kingdom citizen. American citizenship's about independence. Kingdom citizenship is about dependence. And a Christian is totally dependent on God. How do you know that? This morning, God did not have to wake me up from sleep, but he chose to. Amen? for salvation. How many of you are glad for the cross this morning? Say amen. amen. For strength, for truth. We can stand on his promises. We have the hope of eternity. We have the promise of heaven. Listen, we may not understand it all, but we know one thing. When God says it's over here, it's just beginning there. That's the good news. This nation has always fought. The American Revolution was about independence. The Civil War was about freedom and all being treated equally. Since then, men and women in uniform, how many veterans are in this place? Raise your hand. Veterans, stand up. Let's take a good look at you one more time. Give them a good hand. Will you do that? Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, folks, for your faithful service and even those that are serving faithfully now. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, how many of us believe this? Look at me carefully. How many of us believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Let me see who believes that. Okay, put them down. If that is truth, and we believe it is, why in the world would you spend some other way or time or another day of trying to figure it out yourself? Jesus gives us the instructions. He gives us the answers. He said, you shall know the truth, and it's that truth that will set or make you free. The question is, you can't avoid it, but what will you do with it? Now, he uses the word disciple in verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are my disciple in deed. The word disciple means to be a pupil, a learner. And if God calls us to himself, what he wants us to do is to grow in him, to be a learner. Now, something happened to these Jewish believers. Verse 33, they answered Jesus and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They had forgotten their heritage, obviously. Let me give you a few reminders. Children of Israel in bondage to Egypt. Ten northern tribes have been taken captive by Assyria. The southern tribes, 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And at this writing, the Jews were oppressed by Rome. And they say to Jesus, how can you say there's room for growth in our lives? How dare you? We're members of that church down on the corner. I'm a leader there. How dare you think that there's room in my heart and my spirit for growth? Number three, sometimes our pride doesn't match reality. It doesn't match reality. Now this past week I was disheartened once again to hear that there were some Olympic athletes who are threatening to not honor our national anthem or the flag if they stand on the podium or when it's played. I, I, my mentality about that is then don't be part of the Olympic team. Folks, if we're Americans, we should honor the flag. As a Christian, you should seek to honor the Lord with your life. And I want to tell you something. We can be hot-hearted for our nation and cold to the things of God. You know what Ronnie Floyd said, who is scheduled to preach here, Lord willing, August 22nd for our 70th uh, anniversary celebration. Ronnie Floyd said, I believe we're at a point in history where the only hope for our nation is spiritual awakening. Awakening. How dare you tell us devout religious folks that we have room to grow? That seems to be the question to Jesus. 
I want to ask you this morning, believer, what area in your life needs some work? Oh, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to raise your hand. What area in your life as a Christian needs some work? Well, Brother Greg, my prayer life's awful. Okay, that's a good place to start. Brother Greg, I'm, I'm struggling with reading the Bible. Okay? Or Brother Greg, my time, it feels like I don't have any time to read the Bible. Let me help some of you. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing on Facebook and read your Bible. I don't say it to be mean. Charles Stanley held up the book of Philippians taped together, and it was the front page of a newspaper. He said, don't tell me we don't have time to read. What we have done is we've crowded it out with everything else. When you remain in Christ, it means that you will not stay in sin. Look at verse 35. I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. We're to run from it. We're to flee from it. And we're to keep our eyes on Jesus. And folks, we're living in a world that will throw everything it possibly can at you in order to keep your eyes off the truth that will set you free. Number four, I want to give, I want to give you something this morning. I want to give you some spiritual fireworks you can shoot. Here's the first one. Share the gospel. Share the good news. You say, Brother Greg, I break out into a cold sweat when I talk to people about Jesus. That's okay. Most, most folks have been through that. In our Sunday school class, we talked about Paul and how he was praying for a door to be opened. An opportunity to share his faith. An opportunity to tell his story. And he prayed that from prison that God would provide. Let me tell you. You can share your story, you can share the gospel, and the gospel is good news. Yet we live in a world that seems to think the gospel is somehow bad news. Why, why would the world be confused about how the gospel looks? It's because the world sees all kinds of Christians like you and me acting differently. You know what ought to be the common theme of every Christian's life? Your story. And that story should make a beeline to Jesus on the cross. And we should be reminded of how much God loves us. Uh, in your opinion, what do you think it takes to go to heaven? And a person responds and gives you some answer. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Listen, without belittling that person, I can say, can I share with you how the Bible answers that? Not what I think or eh, you're wrong. Hey, here's how the Bible answers that. And folks, you can put yourself right in the pages of Scripture, can you not? Amen. That I was lost on my way to hell. I thought I good, being a good boy was enough. But I would go to church and, and the preacher would give an invitation. And so many of those invitations I didn't listen to. But it seemed like God would just knock on my heart. And I worried about everybody else, what they would think. 
you know what I found out? If you don't receive the truth, it will not set you free. And freedom comes when you quit worrying about everybody else, what they think. Now, perception is one thing. But reality can be another. You can have the cleanest, shiniest car in this church. As a matter of fact, if you think you do, raise your hand. Coasting, really, really. Okay, we got one that's got the, got the shiniest car. You, hey, you, may, you may have wished you didn't raise your hand when you hear the second part. Because I can have a shiny car and the inside be filthy. Anybody want to say amen to that? I'm good at washing cars. Man, I'm awful at uh, throwing away straws and, and whatever. And Renee gets in there and, and goes from the inside out. I mean, she cleans the inside. And I'll get in that car and I feel so good. I'll get in my 1991 GMC pickup that's so faded you're not sure what color it is. And I'll get in that truck, but yet when that truck is washed and, and vacuumed out, I feel like a new man. You say, Brother Greg, you've got issues. I know I do. I know I do. Listen, you can share the gospel because you can tell somebody that Jesus cleaned you up from the inside out. Here's another one. Another spiritual firework. Show grace. Okay, what's that mean? Cut somebody a break. Quit looking for something bad. If you're visiting this church and praying about direction, you've already figured out, man, we, are, we don't have it all together. But if you're coming and saying, Lord, give me a word, speak to my heart, I want to worship you in spirit and truth, my prayer is that you find that. Cut somebody a break. That's what grace is. Captain Obvious doesn't have to speak about everything. Give me an amen. Come on. If you and I start showing more grace in our lives, our lives will be a little less stressful. Because we'll realize, you know what, man, I've got issues too. I struggle too. Grace doesn't say, I told you. I told you so. Let me use an example. We are in the process of replacing our church times on the front doors with new vinyl lettering. We did it in this gold foil, makes it hard to find, that kind of stuff. Well, we finally found the guy that was recommended to us to, to put up new, new stuff, and, and I went to pick it up this week, and I said, I can, I can install that. He said, okay, I'll show you how. Showed me exactly what to do. Got to church this week. Peeled the old off. I thought, man, the church is going to be so proud of their pastor as we put this up. New times. We started, and when I started, that stuff started sticking. There was no repositioning. And I realized real quick, I've just made a mess of this. Now, before you get mad at me about doing that, I paid for the first one with my own money. Okay, so the church didn't lose anything yet. 
So here's the humbling call. Steve, this is a preacher over in Camden. You know the one that just left? You gave me, showed me exactly what to do? He said, yeah, yeah, how'd that go? How's it looking? I said, I messed it up. I've ruined it. You know, there's something hard about telling somebody you messed something up. Anybody want to say amen? They're saying, what? I told you, he said, he didn't say, I told you exactly how to do it. What didn't you do? I said, can we just hire you to come over and do it for us? And he sent me a note, and here's what he said. He didn't say, I told you so. He said, I've already got one made. After the, fir- after the fourth, next week I'll come and take care of it. Why are you saying that, Brother Greg? Because that's only something that I'm acknowledging to use a church that I've messed up. I've messed up plenty of stuff. But it is so hard sometimes for us to get to the point of thinking we, we mess up. That we always do it right. That we always put the letters on straight. That everything's perfect. Life is not perfect. But the truth is, and the truth will set you free from thinking you're in a performance trap and everything you do always has to be perfect. You know what's supposed, what grace is supposed to do? Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Here's what the Bible says. We're supposed to get under it with you and help you carry the load. Grace says, I'm praying for you. It doesn't look for somebody to blame. It serves others. It doesn't wait to be told to to do it or ask to do it. It looks for needs around you. And here's what I love about grace. You ready? Grace makes life better for people around you. Number five. Verse 36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, if he's made you free, say amen, you shall be free indeed. Number five, you can take God at his word. You can take God at his word. He offers forgiveness, and I love the fact that he not only offers forgiveness, he shows us how to receive it. He shows us how to receive it. And what I want to be and what I want to do with my life is a person who transfers truth with a spirit of grace. Now, you may go home today and maybe, maybe you're getting together with family and there's some family you're not looking forward to seeing or you've got a neighbor that's giving you a hard time or maybe you get tomorrow off, hopefully. Tuesday, you go back to work and there's just a worker that's driving you nuts. My prayer is that you would show them what Jesus looks like by grace. And recognize that you've experienced in your own life truth and real freedom has come through that relationship with Jesus Christ. I I love the fact. I love the fact that God has brought us all together. And he's brought us here today, listen, not just as we mentioned earlier about... uh, just being spectators to some kind of show or performance he's brought us together here by the thread of redemption we're sewn together by the blood of Christ 
And the good news is he, he's still in the business of saving people. It doesn't matter what you've done, God loves you. It doesn't matter how far you've run, he's still after you. Loves you more than anything. And if you real, want real freedom, you have to come by way of the cross. Jesus died so that you and I could be free. Amen? I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. And I ask the question, I want to ask you again. What area in your life needs a little work? Okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed. What area in your life needs a little work? Would you give that to the Lord right now, this morning? What's something in your life that needs to go? Would you be willing this morning to join me and say, God, would you take it again? I'm sorry. Forgive me. And maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, you talked about abiding in the vine. You talked about two kinds of people here. Brother Greg, I'm not even sure I'm saved. Do you want to be? Do you want to be? You can. You can. In a moment, we're going to sing, and I'm going to step down. And if that's your heart today, I'm going to ask you to come and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. And we're going to have a time of prayer together. And I'm going to invite you to come. We're hoping to baptize next Sunday. Maybe you're a Christian, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. Will you come? Say, I want to be part of that service. God, would you have your way? Would you have your way as we respond to truth? And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. The words are on the screen. I want us not listen, not just listen to Gracie sing, but I want us to lift our hearts in one accord and our voices in one accord. And if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, your life has been changed by Calvary, I want you to sing this with us. Amen. And God, we resurrender our hearts again to you. Let's sing it together. If you need to come, come on. Oh, to Jesus I surrender all to
Ask you to be seated just for a second, if you will. Gracie, can we have that mic? Okay, Barb. This is Barb Byrne. Most of you know Barb. This is Lena's sister, and uh, she has a word. Okay. Thank you, Brother Greg. Uh, last Sunday, um, Brother Greg's sermon was on desperation, or that's what I took from it. When you're in a desperate spot and you're needing God to help you wherever, whatever it is that you're going through. And uh, I've had a really difficult time. Uh, my son is uh, going through a really bad time with depression and anxiety. And on Father's Day, he was going to kill himself or he wanted to. And uh, it's just been a really hard time. And it's been a real big struggle. But you know what? When he preached that, felt this for a long time. I feel like as a church, we need to be doing more. If I'm going through this, I know some of you must be going through some of the same things. We shouldn't give the impression to people coming in, visitors and people coming in, that we sit here every Sunday and we got it all together that we're perfect Christians because that's the appearance. And this coming forward for salvation is very important. We don't want to take away from that. But I believe that we should have people trained, prayer team leaders up here, where people can come forward and they can be trusted 
that information, whatever you tell them, they're not sharing with anybody but God. And they will pray for you for whatever you're going through. I believe this should be a place of healing. And I would like to see us work towards that, of meeting people's needs, because we really need it now. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, we will invite the Holy Spirit into work um, more openly in our services by doing this. Um, when we come forward for prayer, other people see us coming forward, and that may free them or make them feel like, well, everybody else is going, so I can go up to the preacher and accept, and accept Christ as my Savior. So... I would like to see us work towards that as a church, but I think we need to be lifting each other up more. We need to be praying for each other's needs and um, people out in the community coming in. You know, they don't have to be a member to come forward for prayer. You know, so that's I wanted to share that. Amen. Thank you. Once you stand here, okay? Let's stand. And I'll tell you what. Some of, some of you are thinking, you know, yeah, I'd like to be part of that. Well, it begins with your own heart first. Okay? It begins with our hearts first. So take that as a, a message of prayer. God, how would you want to use me in that ministry? Okay? Thank you for sharing that. As we close, today is Bread Sunday. If you'd like to give one dollar, it goes directly to our, our non-perishable food pantry. It's a great ministry. Appreciate your help there. And uh, also, there'll be no evening, no well tonight. And uh, hope you'll enjoy uh, this time. And just for a little housekeeping note, Tuesday, they're going to start cleaning the carpets to the, this building, main floor, getting us ready to look good for our 70th. So that will be offices, vestibule in here. They're eventually going to clean all the pews. So uh, these are things that are going to be happening starting Tuesday. But uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted, okay? So if you sit down one Sunday and think, I feel a little wet, <laughs> you'll, you'll know they did it, okay? So let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for uh, Barb's testimony. And my prayer is that as we leave this place today, we all would be able to say it's been good to be in the house of God. Thank you for giving church. Lord, I pray you'd help us just to be faithful. Uh, even through the summer months, uh, we are grateful for the privilege to give. Uh, so as we leave today, we recognize the gospel doesn't stay in this building, that, that we are the, the temple, Lord, that you've changed our lives. So we can share that message with anybody. We can serve people. And my prayer is that we would be a light in the community wherever you place us. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to give on the way out, you'll see the offering boxes right there on the inside of the doors. Thank you.